Welcome to Education Suspended, a podcast focused on exploring, engaging, and dialoguing with those in education who are passionate about changing the status quo and evolving the archaic system we have inherited. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of Education Suspended. Jessica Pfeiffer here, one of your co-hosts. Can't believe we're at episode 15. I also cannot believe that it is August. I'm not sure where the summer went. It went entirely too fast, but hopefully y'all had some time to refill your reward cups and take care of yourselves. We're in for another year and uh, I'm hoping it goes well, everybody. Um, all right, so if you've not listened to one of, our, one of our reflective dissociation sessions, we really just take some time to process everything that we learned from the last four episodes which would be episode 11, 12, 13, and 14. They are awesome, really good information there. And it's a lot for us, right? When you're interviewing someone and taking notes, there's so much to absorb. And so we really just wanted a space that we could take a moment and consolidate everything. Um, We're grateful that you're all here. I feel like we've grown up in the podcast world a little bit this summer. We have new fancy mics. I don't know if it sounds any different to you, but listen, I feel really professional with the microphone in front of me. And we got stickers. And you're a real podcast when you get stickers, I've decided. Anyway, sit back, enjoy our our dissociative reflection session number three. We're excited to have you here. Thanks so much, y'all. We're doing this reflective dissociation. God, that word gets me every time. Number (laughs) three. I miss you all. Yeah, it's been a while since the team was together. I know. I mean, I, I've seen Jessica a couple times, but I haven't seen Jamie. Man, it's a treat. And Grainer, Jamie, Jamie moved, so she's not even by us anymore. She's, gosh, she's like, I don't know, like 10 or 12 hours away now. So it's... It's it's one hour, probably like 55 minutes, but we can round up to 12 hours. Emotionally, Jamie. You're ja- right. Jamie, where did you move to? To Fort Collins, Colorado. Oh, I know Fort Collins. It is lovely, but I do miss being by Quinn. Oh, who wouldn't? And and who? Jessica. Don't say Krista. 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 Well, Krista, of course. (laughs) All right. We should jump into this. I feel like the last four that we had, not that the other ones, I mean, they were, there's just, there was just so much to unpack in every single one. Oh. Um, and I go back to episode number 11, which feels like forever ago, but with Jamila's. Yeah. There was something about that episode that just was so powerful. And I don't know if it was just her, her own story and journey that she shared or just kind of, I feel like there was just a raw vulnerability there about just kind of the reality of our system. Um, yeah. I, you I know, I wrote down uh, something that really struck me. Um and I don't know if you obviously wouldn't expect everybody to remember everything Jamila said, but she said she she got into systems where people had already created a story. Mm -hmm. And that, that struck me because uh, lately I've been thinking about actually teaching about some, uh, just about what that means that already created story, the implicit bias that we all, all have. Mm-hmm. Not as a, and I don't mean that as a negative or a guilt thing. I mean it as a reality. Um, we have a previously created story. That's what Jamila was, 
I think, referring to. And the only way we change our previously created story is to create more stories. The previously created one doesn't go away, nor does it need to go away, but we need to expand our stories. And that's one thing I really took from her, her perspective. Yeah. And that's a good point, right? I think we've talked about it before of like, I think it can, it can probably feel really vulnerable to have to, to look at your own story. And in my experience, when there's people that are resistive, it's because they think they've done something wrong, right? But that's, that's the whole premise of implicit bias of like, you got to explore it because you don't even know it exists, right? Like, it's just so easy for yeah. to shape you and in an education, right? If we're not stepping back and doing that as the adults, it's, there's a huge vulnerability for our kids there because that, that will drive everything, how we instruct, how we respond to behavior, how we empathize, that narrative that we bring, whether it's conscious or subconscious. So yeah, I love that she talked about that piece. Yeah, and I, I've learned as at my age and my experience and where I come from, I've learned not to feel guilty about the bias because it was just what it was. I, I didn't really have much control over it initially, but I do have control now. Yeah. If I understand it, know where it resides in me and where and how to think back, and but then at the same time, think ahead. I think there's so much guilt involved with... Um, many, many people, as soon as they hear the word implicit bias. Yeah. So with guilt comes defensiveness and with defensiveness comes inaction. Like, sorry, I'm out. I, and what I think all these guests in one way or another were asking us to take, take a look at those biases, but then expand our experience. So I, I'm probably yeah. Sound like a broken record, but that's really what I'm learning. And I uh I am a, a person who had many biases growing up mm-hmm. um that have changed. Yeah. But why have they changed? Uh, I, I think back to Jermaine, who was one of our, you know, our interview with Jermaine. It wasn't it a, a fascinating um his thoughts about education changed when he had his first teachers of color. Mm-hmm. It was a new experience. Yeah. And they saw him in a different way. I just thought that was fascinating. Anyway, I kept that, that, that theme kept recurring to me throughout these four episodes. Absolutely. Well, even, even with Jamila at one point, I love how she said, like, you, what did you just say? Like the, the experience, right? There's something so powerful in that. And then she made a comment of like, even if you don't have the experiences that don't, you don't get to the place that you know you understand just acknowledge that right we're not in a position in which we need to be and know all for everything for all students in fact when you can acknowledge oh i don't know this and i need to learn it there's more learning in that statement than there is if you feel like you need to have it all together especially from this kind of biased perspective yeah which Mm -hmm. i really liked how she she said that yeah she said there's this one quote i have here um, she said, this is the world. We have the world in our classroom. How are yeah. we celebrating that? Yeah. And just to think of what you're saying, Pfeiffer, of um, learning from learning from our students, being open to learning about that. 
And when we talk about celebrating diversity, that's a perfect platform to just be a learner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which then like thinking about Luke's, I love that those two were back to back because Luke's experience in education was just so different than Jamila's, right? And But yet his, again, his own narrative, he still had to understand what, how did that experience in education form who I was? And for, for you all, it was that huge sense of rhythm. And I do think he even, and you've done it a lot, Steve, too, like both of you um, just openly articulating that sense of privilege that you come from, right? And what that's like for him. And I appreciated that he kind of highlighted that. Um, but that role of rhythm, that piece that was missing um, for, for Jamila and her experience, right? Um, he was able to bring that to the table and highlight how does that help us with that learning piece? Yeah, and is just, and I start to, as you're saying that, I start to think of all the facets of rhythm and one of the the many facets of rhythm is just the rhythm of conversation and how that is different for kids of privilege than for for kids who live on the margins yeah. um who uh it you know they might experience the rhythm of conversation at home but it's it's even a, a bigger thing to want to experience the rhythm of conversation in school mm-hmm. and i i think um many of us who garnered our teacher's attention or drew our teacher's attention also drew that rhythmic exchange. But now I can look back even as a teacher and as a student and realize it wasn't the same for everybody. Yeah. But inequity exists. I just, I was actually just training with Luke. He came out here to Colorado since we've done his episode and released it. And it was, it's an alternative school, um, for students and he 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 said that right he just reminded people of like there should be a rhythm a serve and return in conversation and a lot of the kids that you're going to work with did not get that right they are marginalized kids um they're kids that the system is designed to kind of push out and not interact with and so they didn't get that rhythm of i'm i'm genuinely interested interested in you let's share and, and dialogue and discourse. And so that's a new skill. And he was trying to teach them that uh, by creative rhythm in the classroom, but that's yeah. a, it's a huge piece. It's a huge piece. And he also, I mean, it was similar with Jamila, right? But the theme of, we, it's fear, kind of what you said, right? Where if, you know, we don't address implicit bias because we're scared, okay, I don't need to do that. We don't bring rhythm in the classroom because, oh, I don't, I'm not musical, right? There's just fear behind those components too. So I'm not going to do that. And he, he stated of like, just step back, take a risk. The kid, the kids will know what to do with it. Right. And I, yeah, love, I, yeah, I needed don't, that reminder. Yeah. Don't the kids well understand it. And, and, and they experience the, the comfort of rhythm in their own, well, especially their own musical choices, mm-hmm. that comfort of rhythm in music can also extend to the comfort of rhythm in conversation, the comfort of rhythm in action and contemplation. Um, there's a really a number of important rhythms to instill into a classroom, and we're only scratching the surface of learning how to do it mm-hmm. because the classroom has long, too long been you know, managed in silence. 
and, and managed by compliance rather than by exchange. Man, that takes me all the way back to Paulo Freire and the pedagogy of the oppressed. Holy cow, I'm, you guys are taking me deep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, and it's just, again, I don't know if it's just my cynical self, with that, which I'm really trying to work on. Hashtag are summer you? 2021. Who knew summer break, by the way, could be so phenomenal. I, sh- I'm think- I-, I just told my last group, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a full-time summer I'm just going to summer nonstop. Yeah, good it's luck with that. <laughs> as as she's recording podcasts while she's on vacation. Oh, yeah. But this isn't work. Okay, this is okay. fun. This is fun. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, being in the midst of a lot of rhythm in my life right now, right? I'm, I'm working out more or walking more. I'm listening to music. I'm with Quinn, right? There's just so much more rhythm in my life than there is during the school year. And it just reminded me of, again, like, it's so, so good to train with Luke. Cause I'm just like, yeah, when you're in, when you're in the middle of it and you're more relaxed and more conscious, I just, I don't think I recognized how little rhythm I have in my life during the normal school year. And just Was that maybe, really unfamiliar for you at first? Yeah. Yeah. This experience. Yeah. yeah. But now needing to be more, more attuned to that of like, we got to get better at having a rhythmic day for our adults, not just our kids. Right. Like, my day was nothing. There's no rhythm in my day. Meetings, meetings, right? And so it was just a good reminder and I needed that. I I took full, you know, as I learned more about the value and, and power of rhythm in my last years of teaching, although I, I think I always kind of I- intuitively believed it and, and did it, but I can't, ex- I can't express enough to teachers who are, uh, are listening or a part of our podcast, how good it made me feel mm-hmm. um, to engage my class. And in, in that case, in my case, it was rhythm-based learning, but it was also, you know, I learned to be better at rhythmic con- uh, conversation. And, and even once in a while, um, in a weird sort of way, a, a rhythmic confrontation <laughs> in the sense and not in this sense, not in a direct confrontation, but when I knew that that certain kids were shutting me out and I learned how to bounce in mm-hmm. right against their barrier. And I knew they had a barrier, but I, I wasn't afraid of their barrier. So I, but I took a rhythmic approach to it. I would go stand by their desk for two seconds and walk away. But the next time I went in for five seconds and then I walked away. And then, then I went in for 30 seconds and then there was even conversation, maybe the third time. And then eventually, as, as we've learned in, in our work um, with kids and in, in education, eventually the kid raised their hand and invited me, yeah. invited me in. And there, so there was that rhythm, there was a rhythm of that um, connection that was not wanted connection to start with, Yeah. but it took a rhythmic approach to get to where I wanted to go rather than barge in and, mm-hmm. and fight my way through it and try to get through a barrier that existed. I just respected the barrier. Yeah. But I wasn't afraid of the barrier, by the way. Yeah. I learned. But I like that. You're not afraid of it. And that's, ex- I mean, to be honest, that's exactly what Dr. McCall and Caitlin were talking about, right? Like this, this huge, A, right? First off, this, this, this theory to gap, you know, the practice gap is what they're tackling. And then at some point in their podcast, they said, right, like, um, you know, essentially being in the arena is hard, right? Don't be in the arena if you don't want to work. 
and there's a lot of work yeah, to be done. Exactly. That's what, exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> you know? And so you just said that, right? Like you were willing to work. You were willing to do that, what needed to be done to build to build that relationship with those kids, those doses of physical uh, proximity. I'm, that's a lot of work to be attuned to that on top of having to design curriculum on top of having to focus on all the other kids. But I, I just love that. It's like, just, if you don't want to be in the arena, <laughs> get out. Cause you're going to yeah. work if you're in here. We want to work with those who want to do the work. Yeah. And I yeah. think they said something about, like, this shit is hard. If you're not willing to get dirty and smelly, yeah. then don't, yeah. you know, it, it, it actually uh, metaphorically, but also realistically reminded me of uh, going through a flood in yeah. my last year of teaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was only the valley of the city that was flooded, not the hillside. So if you lived in the hillside, you escaped the flood. But if you lived in the valley, you didn't. So our mantra or, you know, kind of the metaphor here is, are you willing to go in the valley? Yeah. If you're someone who lives in the hillside, are you willing to go in the valley? Because that's where the work is. Yeah. Now you can sit on the hillside and think about it. You can sit on the hillside and talk a good game and you can even give money or do whatever, but how many want to get dirty? Um, and that was really dirty. Uh, and I, that's been a metaphor for me ever since is, are you willing to go to the valley? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the gals were talking about. Yeah. Like don't, don't yeah. even engage with this if you're not willing to go in the valley. Yeah. Well, and they, and I, what I really appreciate is that they even, they push it even further, right? We talked about just with Jamila, that, that role of implicit bias, right? Exploring that from a sense of self, self, and they push it further. Like, don't, don't just understand it for your individual self. What does it mean for the policies? Yeah. Right. What does it mean for the, <laughs> the environment surrounding your students every single day? And you, and that, that's just a big piece for me of like, we have so many things that we do that we've not just stopped and, and say, can someone tell me why we do this? And who is it hurting? Who is it harming? Um, but that was their piece of like, the role of implicit policy was just a reminder that I needed to hear. Because um, there's tons of them. Yeah, when you yeah. look at, at the history of it and realize, and, and I don't remember who said it, and it might've been Jamila, but. It, um, it might have been Stephanie or Caitlin. I, I was one of those three. I'm sorry. I don't remember exactly. But um, schools were once created to, to fashion workers. Um, yeah. and, and, and one of them said, but schools now need to be in the business of helping fashion human beings. Mm -hmm. um, rather than cogs in a machine. That's that was oh, that Jamila. Was Dropping Jamila. the cog, yeah. the cog quote. Ooh. I know. Yeah, that that one got to me, and and then you start to realize as a teach as an educator that, boy, we really did a lot of things that, and we're pressured to do a lot of things that success was that just a kid would grow up and and find a a well paying job, mm -hmm. and, and nothing wrong with that, but that was really the definition of success wasn't human development, it was yeah. human utilitarianism sort of idea, mm -hmm. and that's a that's a big switch, yeah. In, in the thinking of what is education really about. And I loved her vision. Education is about creating, you know, great human beings. Yeah. Well, and yeah, Caitlin and Stephanie said that, right? Of like, whatever your role is, whatever your interaction with education is, everyone should pause, right? And just ask themselves, 
you know, what does school do <laughs> really? Like what is the premise of, of the, of the system? Um, which it's the same thing that Jamila was saying. And, and, and it's interesting, again, there, there is that theme, right? I, you were saying that Grainer and it was reminding me of our conversation. I think it was episode two with Madeline, right? Like it's the layout of the physical building, right? This very industrial uh, physical environment that we put these kids in. It, it just totally reiterates kind of what, what we're actually trying to do here, which feels more cogish than individual and student. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really big piece. Um, man, yeah, their episode was so good. It was, I said this when I was recording the intro for their episode, I had to listen to the, re-listen to it like five times. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm in like another grad school class. Like it was just, there was so much there. It's like, I don't even know how to make an intro for this because I don't know what to even say, but it was good. That's why we're doing this work and having this podcast because we're learning. Um, and I should listen to it again and those conversations need to continue to happen. And, 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 you know, as, you know, someone that identifies as female, uh, identifies as gay, right. There was also so much for me to unpack in that, that notion of feminism and, and what does this mean? And I had not really even thought twice about, wow, was my experience different than some of my best friends that were males, right? Like what, what, what was the influence on that system as me as a, as a female, um then yeah i don't know jamie if you had anything like that oh a hundred percent i don't think the system is designed not that i don't think i know that the system isn't designed for females gay females or anything other than you know maybe white males and or white females yeah 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 it's just an interesting piece yeah, I, I think, uh, and it, it was um, the background, I, I believe it was Jamila, or not a, no, 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 Caitlin, who, whose background is in cultural anthropology, if I, mm -hmm. if I remember mm -hmm. right. And I think, you know, anthropology, the understanding of that plays a, a huge role, too. If we if we think really deep into history and, and centuries 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 old, and we think of how the how the brain developed over thousands of years, where boys were warriors and boys were power brokers, and boys were you know, and, and, and in a sense respond to stress more physically and actively than than girls. And I'm talking about in history now. Please, I'm not uh, wanting to get myself in trouble with my two partners here, but girls had had a different role in those mm -hmm. in those small communities and small tribes and in and, and all that so there is a sort of a brain bias that goes along along with this too that that we can change it we we must work to overcome it but you know girls may be more uh adept at connection and relationship boys a little bit more about power and and showing what they have and, and protection and now you know it's that's not the world we live in but it is still sometimes why boys garner more attention in school because mm -hmm. their reaction to stress and their reaction to even their own uh, uh, inadequacy is much more often physical and and loud and and, and they you know, when they raise their hand, they just about dislocate their shoulder. I mean, that's, a, that's boys and they, and they just 
beg for your attention. They need the power, the power of your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've got a boy, I, that is a conscious, honestly, as a teacher, that's a conscious decision you got to make to ignore that and sort of spread the tension around the way it should yeah. be. It's, it's harder than you think. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that the the system, the environment, uh, and and like gender norms of how we raise boys and girls, females versus males, contribute to how they're presenting in the classroom? You know, with what you're describing of those loud and hand raising and whatnot. Yeah, I, I think there's mm-hmm. there's no 100%. doubt that it's, it's all part of kind of what's in, in innate in us in some ways, right? From the practices of thousands of years, mm-hmm. and now we're realizing that no longer needs to. That is a form of implicit bias as well. Yeah, hundred percent. But we can't yeah. change it without experience. I think every one of our four speakers, of our five actual five of people that we interviewed, I think they all had that idea in mind that we have to expand experience yeah yes in order to change bias yeah and it would be it would have been interesting to to dive more into it with caitlin because you know you you bring up a good point both of you right the cultural implications of of these gender norms and and stephanie i loved it right dr mccall even challenged us of like don't don't take the low-hanging fruit don't just don't just look at the externalizing behaviors that's the easiest thing to talk about like it goes it's in our curricula it's in our mm-hmm. it's in everything yeah and then you know but just to talk more about that that um historical context because even you know you brought up like right through the millennia right kind of just the the gender norms that have begun to form but i i'm under the impression i'd have to look this up but even in a lot of those indigenous cultures actually women were very powerful right mm-hmm. women um could be the leaders, could do all these things. And then really kind of the indoctrination of, of different cultures coming and kind of taking, taking the land, taking, killing the tribes that that began to shift. But there are numerous native cultures and probably beyond native that, that the women have an extremely powerful role in what they say goes and people listen, um, which is just not kind of where we're at right now. No, I just, I think that we're in a a shift of being able to recognize, you know, these biases that we hold in regards to gender and kind of breaking those barriers. So when we think of female roles, um, you know, we are seeing more females breaking the gender norm. And I don't know, I love that. Mm -hmm. I just love that. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's challenging when we see a, a confident female, right? Like we respond to that different than a confident male. Mm-hmm. And so we have to check ourselves, I think, of how are we how are we responding? How are we feeling when we see that? Mm-hmm. Even as a female, I have to check female, myself. even as a female. <laughs> right. Like I'm, why why am I feeling oh, this way? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, when we should be celebrating that. Like you get it, girl. You go yes. do you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, anyway, I found out the it. best way to do it is just raise two strong daughters and then you'll you'll get you'll be the dad who gets taken to school. So that's what works for me. You and you and Caitlin's dad can take a, a course together. It sounds like she's doing the same thing, which is awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, that's so wonderful. 
Yeah, but it's. I think I think Doctor or uh, Doctor Kennedy said it then in our last episode, right? Of like, it's these stories, right, that we're trying to share, uh, that move people to action. That's that was a big thing that he kept saying, like the stories that you share are the motivator. Just almost kind of like Michelle, you know, our very very first interview that started this whole fiasco of a podcast, right? The the, the role of storytelling. The role he, of he goes stories. back to it. Of like we gotta Michelle. focus on these stories and and what does that mean? Because you know his story was amazing, and you already referenced it. But his story of like being a, a a black male student, no teachers of color, moving into an environment that there was representation, and what that meant. There were stories that he could align with. Um, I really, I really could. I could have talked to him all day. I really enjoyed sitting yeah. down with him. Mm-hmm. He, and what a gracious man who expanded his experience mm-hmm. and doesn't carry a, um, and doesn't have that axe to grind. And, you know, he, he's not bitter. He, he is, well, I just said it, he's gracious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I remember him telling about, and I, I want to say it was his sophomore biology teacher was the first and he'd been a troublemaker in and out, you know, kicked out of school, suspension, blah, blah, smart, kid, very bright kid. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, it sounded like he, he came from a solid family, but he just was struggling uh, in school with, with behaviors until it really, he has his first black teacher, a, a black woman, biology teacher. And, you know, he ends up getting super interested and goes to Ohio state and majors in biology Mm -hmm. because of the influence of one teacher who looked like him. And if I remember right, then it was at Ohio state that he had a, another black instructor that really led him on his new path um, to do, to do what he's going to do. But, Oh man, as a, you know, as a white person, I, I took all that for granted. Like, most of my teachers look like me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, and yet, isn't he the most beautiful community-minded guy ever? Mm, I love it. I'm just, well, and I want to say something, because even when you said like he was a troublemaker, right? Like I actually went during his interview, going back and listening to it and preparing for this reflection, he's the perfect example. <laughs> like the system really set him up so that we would then label him as a troublemaker or someone would, right? That yeah. worked with him in the past that's how many how many black and brown children have that like same same experiences like no matter their best is never going to be enough no, no matter how many to our, the bias yeah, yeah the bias just, yeah he's getting called out for everything no matter what there's probably other b- boys white males doing the exact same thing they're not getting called out like he is he's getting suspended more expelled more so it's it's interesting that he, yeah he kind of showed through his experience that that story isn't it cool how he rebounded from that though and and became this very community-minded team player sort of guy um, that I thought when he started describing the work he's doing with schools and creating schools as a hub yeah. for the neighborhood, oh my heart just raised up. Love it. Yeah, the 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 bolstering of the social the social capital was my favorite. It's not just 
not just these kids, it's the community, it's the parents. I remember one of his stories, right? Like the kids were growing food for people in outer space on food in NASA. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm doing nothing with my life. I guess I'll start another podcast because kids are growing <laughs> vegetables for for astronauts. astronauts. Even say or Jeff astronauts. Bezos, because he's up oh, in space now. So, let's you know, just take anyway. a moment for that. Let's just bless it be the Lord. You can edit that out. No, that's all right. It happens. It happens. Um, oh I don't know. I, what, what? Oh my gosh, to that or to the interview? To Jeff. Okay, let's. In space. We can move on. Sorry. Let's move on from that. But I, because <laughs> if I stay in it too long, I'll get really hot and really upset. And yeah, you know. Uh, but wasn't it? Was it? I'm sure it was Jermaine told about. You know, they adults, uh, parents would come and 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 learn. They were learning more English at school, but then they flipped the script and there were Hispanic mothers teaching Spanish to the yeah, teachers. I love that one. Yep. Um, yeah. 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 Families it, doing projects around the, 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 the school. It was such a cool thing. Right. Wasn't it uh, people do, make, doing repairs around the school yep, building yep, and yep, helping around the parents? School. <laughs> yeah. Air conditioning. They need air conditioning yeah. was all taken care of by the parent. I've, I'm a firm believer in, in the, uh, in extending schools to the community. Yeah, it was a community hub. Oh, that to me, that's the ultimate goal Dude. of mine in any education Dude. work. That's the ultimate. Well, even I think you you said a little bit before Grainer of like, oh, he he how he rebounded back, or I don't know what you said. Um, and he he made a quote in there of like, you know, when when this when the system is specifically designed. <laughs> without you in mind, right, which is experience, um, you're essentially consist, you know, consistently fighting to change it. And so he didn't just rebound back, but he's a fighter. He's a fighter for all those kids because he knows what it's like. Yeah. Um, and you can see it in, in his work and his in this bridge of community to school and what that means for him, which is super cool, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Oh. These are just such good episodes. I got to see what else I might have. I know I'm going through all my notes here, people, real quick. Everyone's like, land the plane already, you three. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. They were great. We've got, when we're releasing, um, yeah, we got more coming up. Again, continue to rate, review, subscribe. That helps us spread the word. But we also love it when you feel free to reach out to us and say, hey, have you ever thought about interviewing this person? Because that's been really helpful and fun for us of connections of who you want to hear from in the educational realm. Um, So thank you for doing that. Well, I think of your vision for this podcast and the kind of the theme of the day as we've been talking. This podcast is uh, certainly if, if it isn't an expansion of experience. It's certainly an expansion of exposure. Yeah. Um, I have really personally benefited from all of these guests because they've their st- stories have taken me to many different places. Yeah. And allowed me in a in a gracious way, not a guilt ridden. I, I want to keep emphasizing guilt gets us nowhere. Um, shame gets us nowhere, but experience gets us a lot of places and new stories and you know you guys have done a lot 
to expand my experience and my thought experience. So I, I really appreciate that. And that's why I look forward to more of it because holy cow, I'm old and I'm still, I wasn't going to say it. And I'm still, yeah, I know you would say it anyway. <laughs> I'm old and I'm still learning folks. No, there's a lot um, to learn. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. And, and fun. lifelong learners. I think that's one thing we should all commit to, right? And lifetime, I want to start taking naps too. Lifelong nappers and learners. And lifelong sum, summers. Summerings. Summers. Summering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're Which is weird. By the summer, time we're going to release drill. this episode, y'all, summer will be over. Why Why do you, why? Why end it like that? I love all of you. <laughs> I love all of you. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to the fall. That's oh, my, my favorite season. I could be a faller for the rest of my life. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Don't jump on my bandwagon in the summer. I'm just taking like that. All right, land the, we're landing the we're plane. Now. The plane. All right, <laughs> Jamie, Steve, thanks for thanks for doing this to our listeners. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you on episode uh, 16. Sounds Take care good. of yourselves, everybody. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah.